Om Sam Saraswati Namaha. Namaste. Namaste, everyone. Thank you all for coming back to our class. It's really fun to be back and get to share the love of Shiva. We're getting ready for Shivaratri, uh, which is later this month on the 27th, and so we're, we're going to study the Shiva Puja and the advanced Yajna. Let's start on page one with the introduction. There is only one God. Just as one woman is known as a mother, a daughter, a wife, a sister, or a friend, depending upon the different relationships she has, in the same way the one God is called by different names by different people in different circumstances. People call him variously the creator, the protector, or the destroyer, the giver of wisdom, the giver of wealth, the remover of darkness, according to the various circumstances which life presents. People even call him her and worship the divine mother goddess as the supreme divinity. In this world of duality, people are required to enumerate specific qualities and attitudes in order to communicate. Shiva is God's qualities of infinite goodness and continual transformation. Conceive in your mind the ultimate goodness. The, when you have your picture of perfect goodness, then it becomes infinite goodness and then make it better still. That is the beginning of the understanding of Shiva. In this puja, we place Shiva in our hearts, place ourselves in the presence of Shiva, place, uh, uh, the strive to come closer and closer to this highest goodness, the highest divine spirit. When we get to where we can't get any closer, we can't conceive any greater goodness, we can't think that we're getting any, there's no way I could come closer to God. When we get to where we can't get closer or do any more, that's where the pooch begins. Shiva is beyond limitations. He takes us beyond the mind. His name has an excellent meaning in Sanskrit. Shakara Santi Prakash e Karana Deha Bogiti Chiristai Milan Shivarta Chittamangalam. The letter Sha is the illumination of peace. The syllable E is the causal body. Bo means union with the infinite and the definition of Shiva is the welfare of all objects of perception. Chittamangalam, everything that can be perceived, everything that can be known in the mind and known in the heart and known through intuition, everything that can be perceived on any level of consciousness is in the highest welfare, the state of the greatest bliss, the good, the best, the goodest goodness. Shiva is also the destroyer. And every moment of time has a beginning and an existence and a transformation into something else. In reality, 
Matter is never destroyed. It only changes form. So what is called destruction is really the process of transformation from what was known into something new. Shiva is always transforming all that was into what it is becoming. He allows for the fluid motion and continual change in the ocean of existence. All fear is of the unknown. The transitory nature of existence makes us feel insecure. We want things to stay the way they are because we don't know what the change will bring. That is why Shiva, as the destroyer, is so frightening. What will be it be like when he's done changing? What's it going to look like? What will it be like when he's done? Will he ever be done? Maybe he'll just go on changing and changing ad infinitum. Until we accept the will of Shiva, there will be fear. As long as we identify with the changes that are occurring, occurring, we have attachment. I like things the way they are. Don't change. By saying to God, I like the universe the way it is, please don't change it, we resist the course of nature. We create our own pain by our attachment to the way we think things should be. Shiva, as the great destroyer, will destroy our attachment too. That is his function as the consciousness of continual transformation. By worshiping Shiva, we cultivate the qualities of infinite consciousness, unattachment, freedom from bondage to this world of objects and their relationships. We cultivate the attitude of perceiving the intrinsic reality, not the extrinsic appearance. We identify with that which does not change. We become the witness of the changes of nature. From this perception, we act and interact with the world. Remembering the eternal reality, we free ourselves from pain and fear. We see them as passing states of mind and accept the will of God. Shiva is also the Lord of Sankalp, the strength of willpower to define and obtain our goals. Nothing deflects Shiva from his path. Shiva gives us the strength to our, attach ourselves to the sustaining values of life to the values that will stay with us through eternity, which, according to this tradition, are called the Sanatana Dharma, the eternal ideals of perfection. Pu means punya, the highest merit. And ja means jata, to give birth. Puja means the actions which give birth to the highest merit. In our tradition, the highest merit is being given the privilege to sit in the presence of God. By performing puja, we rehearse what would it be like for God to come to our home. 
we shine our utensils, we decorate the altar with flowers and lights and incense and candles, we prepare good food because an honored guest is coming. <laughs> a puja is a compendium of knowledge of spiritual practices. In many ways, the systems of worship resemble a table of contents of subjects that will be of interest and benefit in the spiritual evolution of an aspirant. There are many mantras that offer a flower and obeisance to a deity or a group of deities. Why are we bowing to these divine powers of the universe will be explained in other scriptures. The puja merely points the way to a whole bunch of other learning. That is why there is no end to puja. There is no end to learning. Yajna comes from the root yuj, to unite. Inside the Adya Chakra, the, the light of meditation is burning. Outside on the ceremonial fire altar is the fire, the objective measurement of how brightly our inner light is glowing. The yajna is the union between these two fires. This union is the sacrifice of all egotism and duality. The yajna fire will not burn with wood and ghee alone. The Yajna fire requires devotion to the exclusion of selfishness. The purpose of the Yajna is to unite the two fires so that all the thoughts become oblations to the fire. The purpose of the Yajna, offerings of sacrifice. When we unite the fires with such devotion that there is no other thought, then we have participated in a yajna. Only one fire. Which one is the reality and which one is the reflection? That's to be determined. <laughs> one is here and another is outside. And the union between the two fires is the yajna. This advanced puja contains a great deal of information. It is possible that an advanced student could remain engaged in its study for several years. You are not required to learn this whole puja immediately. You can take bits and pieces of this puja and put them to work. This book includes a beginner's puja, an intermediate puja, an advanced puja, and a post-doc session. So, there is more than ample material to keep you engrossed in the worship of God. Read through the pujas and read the translations. Some mantras will call to you. Some will touch your heart and illuminate an inspiration. And that is where you could begin. Look for those mantras that say, I belong to you. I am the echo of the vibration that is in your soul. As you practice those particular sections, other parts will call to you as well. If you don't pronounce the mantras correctly, don't worry. 
Put yourself in the attitude of surrender to the will of God and try to come as close as possible. Cultivate the attitude of appreciation for all the bounteous gifts of God, especially for the privilege of being able to sit in the presence of God. Cultivate the attitude of gratitude. Carry it with you throughout your daily activities. Only then will worship pervade our lives. Worship does not mean the memorization of mantras or even the proper placement of the flowers or the other objects. Worship is an attitude of respect, of dedication, of devotion to the exclusion of selfishness. And I bow to my teacher, Srima, who is the greatest example that one could pray for, and I offer this work to all devotees as an expression of my appreciation for the understanding with, which has been entrusted to me. And that was Swami Satyananda Saraswati, 1998. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's begin our study of the puja with the study of the sadhana panchakam. These are five verses written by Shankaracharya in 700 AD which extol and praise what it means to live a life of worship. And he says, you know, very, very beautiful uh, Lori from, from uh, 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 Edmonton. Mm -hmm. uh, Lori just sent us a beautiful checklist made from this Sadhana Panchakam. Uh, in fact, we should put it on the website, or at least on the Yahoo Club, if you would and put it on the website and the Yahoo Club. And Lori said, am I doing this? And she broke up every verse and every phrase and made a checkbox <laughs> right beside it and said, okay, let's check them off. Put this on your refrigerator door and see, does my comportment conform to my ideal? Am I leading a life of worship? of respect. So he starts off by saying, always study words of wisdom. With all of your capacity, act in accordance and perform the discipline of these words. And following the systems of worship they enumerate, do you know every word of wisdom defines some system of worship? some way to demonstrate the sincerity of our respect. And following the systems of worship they enumerate, make the worship of the Supreme Lord, and don't allow your consciousness to contemplate adverse desires. There are some desires which are extremely beneficial to you. Love your guru. Love your spouse. Love God. Love life. These are really good desires. There are some desires which are extremely adverse. Love her spouse. <laughs> Love someone else's. Thou shalt not covet. In the same way, 
We want to cultivate that wisdom which gives us the discrimination which desires are going to take me where I want to go and which ones are going to pull me back and get me into more trouble than I'm already in. And believe me, it takes only a moment to make a mistake and it takes a long time to rectify it. <laughs> So don't allow your consciousness to contemplate adverse desires. Come back here, mind. Wipe all the dross of sin from your mind. Search for the faults in the pleasures of the world. Search your own soul for true knowledge. And very quickly try to renounce the attachments to your home. As much as you, Sancha, as much as you try to save and protect and stake your claim, so much your attachment rises, so much we want the proper amount. Not too much, not too little. Just the right amount. Maintain the association of true people. Take refuge with devotion in the supreme divinity. And with all your capacity, try to befriend the universe. Vishwamitra. He was the friend of the universe. Become a Vishwamitra. A friend of the universe. Or a universal friend, as you like. And very quickly renounce the fruits of your labors. Try to share your abundance. Share your gifts. Empower others. And you will be rewarded. Whenever possible, seek out the company of the true and knowledgeable people and serve the sandals of their lotus feet and ask from them even one letter of the knowledge of supreme divinity of Brahman and listen to the great words of wisdom from the Vedas. From all the holy books of wisdom, listen to the wisdom. Listen, listen, listen to my heart song. Listen. Wisdom is a function of the ear, not of the mouth. Those who listen to the great words of wisdom, they cultivate inspiration, they take that inspiration and develop discrimination and they employ that discrimination they stay out of trouble and they have a nice time with life always contemplate the great words of wisdom take refuge in the great words of wisdom stay far away from the bondages of the soul and search for the real inner meanings of the texts of wisdom I am one with God, always maintain this attitude. Make renunciation of the many thoughts of the mind, leave the egotism of your body, and don't debate idle philosophies with intellectuals. <clears throat> don't. That doesn't change anyone's life to win the debate or to lose the debate. Why should you debate? idle philosophies with intellectuals. We're sadhus, we want to live the life of spiritual discipline. Debate with intellectual love. Ah, <laughs> thank you. 
Take the cure for the illness of uncontrolled desire. Serve your doctor as a beggar would serve a lord. Don't seek the associations of pleasure seekers or self-centered individuals. Remain contented with whatever you receive in a divine union, that which God has consented to give. Remain the same while undergoing all the pairs of opposites like hot and cold, pleasure and pain, and don't give expression to worthless speech. Remain, uh, carry yourself as a great renunciate. Don't look to get grace from other men and don't seek to obtain something from men. Sit down in a quiet, conducive, and comfortable environment and contemplate the Supreme Divinity. Look into yourself with the fullness of consciousness and see the bondage of the gross world to the soul and reduce your necessity for action in the world. Don't allow your thoughts to be bound by karma with the strength of wisdom. Free your mind from bondage. Experience the fruits of your prarabdha karma, the actions performed in the past, the fruits of which are being experienced in the present. And after the past karma is complete, with an attitude of one mind, go to the realms of union with the highest divinity and remain there. And don't let go. And don't give up that peace, that unity, that communion with God and guru and wisdom. Take it with you wherever you go and let it be your light and your guide in every circumstance. Whoever will read these five verses and with a still consciousness every day contemplate the essence of these verses for him or her, the great flames of bondage to objects and relationships and disruption to the soul's peace will quickly be eradicated. And thus ends the five verses in praise of spiritual discipline written in Shank by Shankaracharya in 700 AD. And they're still just as meaningful, still just as applicable to us today as they were 1400 years ago. Now let's begin every puja after we've decided we're going to make puja a way of life. We're going to make meditation a part of our life. We're going to make the study of wisdom as a, uh, an integral part of our lives. Uh, let's begin to bowing down to all the devas. And remember, dev comes from the root deep, which means illumination or shine. And, and the devas are the shining ones. We call them gods, but they're really more than gods. They're, they're more, more, more than symbols. They're, they're, they're focus of light. They are different expressions of illumination. And I want to bow to all the different expressions of divine illumination which will inspire me to become divinely illuminated. And that's why I hang out with the gods and 
That's why I worship them. So let's start by bowing down to them. Oh, we bow to the respected great Lord of wisdom. Oh, we bow to Lakshmi and Narayan, the goal of all existence and the perceiver of all. Om we bow to Uma and Maheshwar, she who protects existence and the great consciousness or seer of all. Om we bow to Bonnie and Hiranyagarbha, Saraswati and Brahma who create the cosmic existence. Om we bow to Sachin Paranda, Indra and his wife who preside over all that is divine, the, the, the king and queen of heaven. And that goes for every heaven we decide to create. Internally, externally, within our ashram, within our temple, within our homes, within our hearts, we bow to the king and queen of our heaven. Oh, we bow to the mothers and fathers. Oh, we bow to the chosen deity of worship. Oh, we bow to the family deity of worship. Oh, we bow to the village deity of worship. Oh, we bow to the particular household deity of worship. Oh, we bow to the established deity of worship. Oh, we all bow to all the gods. Oh, we bow to all the knowers of divinity. This goes beyond race, religion, creed, tra tradition, heritage, uh, uh, any names, anybody who knows anything about divinity. Take my respect and give me a blessing that I could know a little bit more myself. Let's meditate on Shiva. Remember, he's got five faces. And his first face is called Sadyojata. Om, we meditate upon the full, perfect, full, complete, always continuing consciousness of infinite goodness. We contemplate he whose thousand eyes see everywhere. May that giver of voice grant us increase. And make me blissful too. Fill us with bliss. Fill us with the bliss of knowledge, the security of being in the presence of God. What could possibly befall me when I'm sitting at the altar with God? Oh, I extol the birth of truth as pure existence. Sadyo jata, who constantly gives birth jata to sat, sadyo jataya. Oh, again and again I bow down to the birth of truth as pure existence in being, after being, beyond all being, who himself is all being, from whom came all being. To that existence I bow. I bow to the beautiful God who is beloved. I bow to the pleasant one, to the ultimate one, too. I bow to the reliever of sufferings, Asru Trayate Iti Rudra. He takes away the tears. He takes away all the sufferings. I bow to time. I bow to the cause of the illumination of darkness. Remember, a, a darkness went to God and said, why is, the, why is the sun always chasing me around the earth? I never get a chance to sit down and rest. And God said, I don't know. And let me ask the sun. And so he called the sun, and darkness ran away. The sun came, and God said, Son, why are you always chasing darkness around the earth? And the sun said, God, I've never seen darkness. 
Please, you bring him here and show him to me, and I promise not to chase him away. The illumination of darkness, I bow to the source of strength. I bow to the progenitor of strength. I bow to the fashioner of all the elements. I bow to the mind of all minds. I bow to he who is free from fear, who instills the fear of evil, who saves the righteous from fear, who is within all the all of everything, may we give our respect to he who is the form of the reliever of sufferings. Oh, we meditate upon that universal consciousness, contemplate the great God. May that reliever of sufferings grant increase. The seer of all, who is all knowledge, the Lord of the universe, who is all existence, before the creative consciousness, before the knowers of consciousness, existing in eternal delight as the consciousness of infinite goodness. And now offer you our lights. Om, the divine fire is the light, and the light is the light. Of, in the divine fire, I am one with God. The light of wisdom is the light, and the light is in the light of wisdom. I am one with God. The divine fire is the offering and the light is the offering. I am one with God. The light of wisdom is the offering and the light is the light of wisdom. I am one with God. Om, the divine fire is the light. The light of wisdom is the light. The light of devotion is the light as well. The light of the highest bliss, O oh God, is in the light which we offer, the light which we request you to accept with the offering of light. Om, oh, I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. That is, there's only light. There's illumination in the fire. There's illumination in the light. There's illumination in the wisdom. There's illumination in the devotion. And that's what I'm offering to God with this light. I'm offering my wisdom, my devotion, my discrimination, my understanding, my illumination, my... I'm offering my best. Please, be pleased to accept it. Own spirit of the forest, from you is produced the most excellent of scents, the scent most pleasing to all the gods, that scent we request you to accept with this offering of fragrant scent embodied in a stick of incense. Om, I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. And now the Aratrikam burning camphor, all knowing as the moon, the sun, and the divine fire, you alone are all light. And this light we request you to accept with the offering of light. Om, I bow to the consciousness of infinite goodness. Om, earth is a reservoir of nectar. All vegetation is a reservoir of nectar. The divine atmosphere is a reservoir of nectar and also above. May all perception shine forth with the sweet taste of nectar for us. 
Oh, the divine fire, the light of purity is the shining God. The wind is the shining God. The sun, the light of wisdom is the shining God. The moon, the Lord of devotion is the shining God. The protectors of the wealth are the shining gods. The reliever of sufferings are the shining gods. The sons of the light are the shining gods. The universal shining gods are the shining gods. The guru of the gods is the shining god. The ruler of the gods is the shining god. The lord of waters is the shining god. Om the infinite beyond conception. The gross body, the subtle body, and the causal body. We meditate upon that light of wisdom, which is the supreme wealth of the gods. May it grant to us increase in our meditations. Fill us with illumination. May that light of wisdom continually grow and increase as we meditate. May it get brighter and lighter and stronger and more demonstrative in our lives. Own the gross body, own the subtle body, own the causal body, own the great body of existence, own the body of knowledge, the body of light, the body of truth. In every level of consciousness, on all seven levels of consciousness, from the gross body, that which is perceivable through the senses, the subtle body, that which is conceivable in the mind, the causal body, that which is known through meditation and, and, and uh, intuition, the, the great body of all that can come into manifestation, the great body of all that can, has knowledge, Every form has a name. If you know the name, you are empowered. The great body of light and the great body of sat, chit, ananda, truth, consciousness, and bliss. On every level, oh, we meditate upon that light of wisdom, which is the supreme wealth of the gods. May it grant to us increase in our meditation. May the divine waters, luminous with the nectar of immortality of supreme divinity, fill the earth, the atmosphere, and the heavens. Oh, my rosary, the great measurement of consciousness containing all energy within as your intrinsic nature. Give to me the attainment of your perfection, fulfilling the four objectives of life, dharma, artha, kama, moksha, Realizing the ideal of perfection. The second artha is finding the resources necessary to maintain that ideal. Kama means relinquishing or fulfilling all those desires so they don't all other desires than the one desire to be one with God. So they don't have a tendency or capacity to pull us away from that unity. And when those three are complete, that is moksha, liberation, self-realization. Om Rosary of Rudraksha seeds, my Lord, give to me excellent attainment, give to me, give to me. Illuminate the meanings of all mantras, illuminate, illuminate, fashion me with all excellent attainments, fashion me, I am one with. And with these ended flowers, oh, we bow to the Lord of wisdom, Lord of the multitudes.
With these scented flowers only out of the sun, the light of wisdom along with the other nine planets. With these scented flowers only out of Shiva, the consciousness of infinite goodness along with the five primary deities. Remember Shiva, Shakti, Vishnu, Ganesh, and the sun and the nine planets. Those are the five divisions of Hindu worship. With these scented flowers, only bow to Indra, the rule of the pure, along with the ten protectors of the ten directions. With these scented flowers, only bow to Vishnu, the fish, along with the ten incarnations he assumed. With these scented flowers, only bow to the Lord of all created beings. With these scented flowers, only bow to the perfect perception of consciousness. With these scented flowers, we bow to all the gods. With these scented flowers, we bow to the, all the goddesses. With these scented flowers, only bow to the guru. With these scented flowers, we bow to all the knowers of wisdom. Oh. Let's pause here and see if there are any questions. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti in Seattle. Yes, namaste Sadhana, namaste Vivek. Pranam, if we lack the strength of Sankalpa, is this in some way related to our resistance and fear of change? In many ways it is related, Sadhana. Uh, and what, what we want to do is cultivate reliance on Shiva so that we get empowered to, to relinquish those fears and, and proceed forward and complete our objective. Remember, san means all together and kalpa means idea. And a sankalpa is a definition of what is my great idea. All the little objectives, all the little goals, all the little definitions of my greatest pursuit, they come all into one greater pursuit. And that will be my sankalpa, my all definition of all the minds, all the tangents. Can I pull them all together and focus that energy in one direction? So, yes, give up our selfish attachment, our fear, and let's proceed and, uh, it, it, with reliance on Shiva, and that we have made a good plan and we're executing it faithfully. We will get the fruit of that sankalpa. We will get the fruit of that effort. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda Ma. What would, what would be our attitude when we sit for puja? And does it vary based on the deity of worship? Can you share with us what your mindset is when you sit for puja for Shiva versus at the cosmic altar? No. Nanda, that's very difficult for me to, to distinguish because when I sit at the cosmic altar, I worship Shiva too. So I have the same mind every time I sit down. I say, what a privilege it is to have a place where I can sit down and pour out my heart to God. And I get the privilege, I'm empowered to sit down, I have a system by which I can recite the liturgy and define my goals and define my life according to these divine principles, just like the rishis have done in the past. I don't think, well, I want this from Lakshmi and I want that from Saraswati and I'm going to pray to Shiva for this and I'm going to pray to Shakti for that. I don't make those distinguish, uh, distinctions, Nanda. So it's very difficult for me to distinguish various attitudes 
When I sit down for worship, I have only one attitude. I'm in love. And I am so privileged to be a lover instead of sitting around waiting for someone to come and love poor little old me. We have a question from Ramya in Bangalore. Namaste, Rami, Mommy. Namaste, Srini, Baba. What are some of the steps we can take to go deeper in our puja? Oh, Ramya, first of all, there are five steps to the puja. We all know that. There's preparation, purification, invitation, union, and offering. Now, these are the five steps of the puja. To come closer and closer to God, I don't want anything to come between us, like a book. I would like to have the book completely memorized and look God in the eye and say, I really mean this from my heart. I'm not just reading the words that some other saintly being wrote down some years ago or centuries ago or millenniums ago. I, I am just speaking my own mind from my own heart, eye to eye. So one of the biggest steps that you could do is memorize the puja. Now start small and make it bigger and bigger and bigger. Rami, mommy, if you memorize two mantras a month, you'll know a lot of mantras. <laughs> if you memorize two mantras a week, after one year, you'll have over a hundred mantras. Well, you're—I'll put you up against the best pundits in India. If you do that for some years, you'll come live in the Devi Mandir. So that's one of the things you can do, Rami, mommy, is just increase the amount of worship that you can perform without the book. It's your mantra. It's your worship. It's your love affair. You get the privilege. It's not reading somebody else's words. It says here on page 19, I love you. you. <laughs> no, it's more like sitting eyeball to eyeball and saying, I really love you, Mom. We have a question from Ryan in San Jose. Namaste, Ryan. In a group puja, is it better to take an externally active role to be the one chanting, ringing the bell, etc., or to be more internally active and just focus all of your attention and emotion on the meaning and the bhava of the mantras? Is the primary goal of the puja to make an offering to God or to develop greater love for God? Well, Ryan, every puja is different. If you're presiding over puja for, as the head priest of your satsang, then your duty is to bring an inspired congregation closer to God. So you're going to create that inspiration and go out and arrest all the wandering minds in the room and bring them in and so they, everybody has one focus. So as the pujari for a congregation in a group puja, your objective will be, and the measure of your success will be, how close did your congregation come to God? 
but in your daily puja where you get to sit by yourself and don't look back. Then your focus, your objective is just on the communion with that spirit. How deeply can you go? How deeply can you intuit the bhavana of this puja, the attitude of this puja? What, what I'm saying to you, is it real? Is it coming from my heart? Do I know what I'm saying? Or am I just reading sounds that are on a page or printed in a book? Or am I actually communicating meanings to someone I highly respect? I'm certainly not going to try to fool you. I mean, you know if I'm saying something. I do too. Am I saying something? Or am I just making sounds and trying to appear as though I'm saying something? That attitude, that understanding, that study, that efficiency makes us sadhu. Sadhu means efficient. And as, as you become more and more efficient at offering your worship, you come deeper and deeper into the puja. You give birth to the merit, the privilege of sitting in the presence of God. And that's the meaning of the puja. That's the meaning of being a sadhu. And that's why it's such a privilege. Because you become so efficient at what you do. You, you do it once it's done. You don't have to go back and do it again and again and again. Yes, please. We have a question from Divya in Gorgang. Yes, namaste Divya. <laughs> How do we control our emotions when we work to discipline ourselves and make upasana the cornerstone of our lives? They range from deep devotion to absolute unwillingness to sit down. Divya, you, you do it with your sudden kalp. As much as you take that sun cult, you become like Siva. You control your destiny. You define. I have defined my sun cult is to do the puja regularly at this time, at this place, in this way. And your sun cult will take your wandering mind and your fickle nature and it'll say, Hey, I have no time for fickleness. I have no time for wandering mind. Deepya, you'll have the opportunity to, to come closer and closer until puja becomes the reality of your life. And all the rest is a sort of noise that empowers you to do the puja. And she will become a Vidya. And Puja will become Vidya. Vidya. Uh -huh. Her name is Vidya. Uh -huh. Puja is Vidya. Namaste. We have a question from Srini in Bangalore. Namaste Srini Baba. How can, we, how can we increase our devotion to Lord Shiva as the Lord of Time, Mahakal? <laughs> Every moment has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And the end of the, this, this moment is the beginning of the next moment. And as, as I'm recognizing this flow of time and this transformation of energy upon time, upon the graph of time, chronologically, I see Shiva is there as time. He is the ultimate time before there was time, this present time, and the time when there won't be any time anymore. He is Mahakal. 
If I see Shiva as the great time, I see him as the screen in a movie theater. Once you enter the theater and you look at the screen, Srini Baba, you see, you see that there's this white screen or a silver screen and it's, it's reflecting any image that you put on the screen. Well, once the lights dim and the movie comes on the screen, you forget all about the screen and you watch the moving images. You watch the drama reflected upon the screen. Shiva as Mahakal, as the great time, is the screen upon which the entire drama of life is unfolding. Do we want to get completely enamored of the movie? Or from time to time do we want to remember that's a movie reflected upon a screen? And if we remember that's a movie reflected upon the screen, we remember Shiva who is the screen. He is the great reflector of all the reflections. Now there's a reality as the substratum, as the basis for all that we are witnessing. So Srini, this is, if we can remember Shiva as the consciousness of infinite goodness. Infinite goodness is all time. It is all-pervasive, all all-pervading. It is omniscient. It has all the ontological qualities which Aristotle defined. And if you can remember the great time, then you cease to be attached to the present circumstances that are confronting us in life. I, this too will pass. These are images reflected upon the screen. How can I feel such dejection or depression or objection to the present circumstances of life when they're going to, re they're going to pass in the next scene? I'll forget about them entirely. So, as the great time, Shiva is going to even out all of our peaks and valleys. <laughs> He's going to make us consistent and he'll imbue us with those consistent qualities, that consciousness, which makes us steadfast, like Debya, full of sankalp. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia. Julia's in San Diego. Yeah. Namaste. In the book Sahib Sadhu, one devotee named Lakshman tells us that you meditated in the Himalayas where Shankaracharya gave his teaching. Can you please tell us why this sadhana panchakam was given at such a late date and anything you can share about your time in union with him? I don't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but that's a big question for an evening class. Yeah. But I had one experience with the Shankaracharya Murthy behind the Badrinath temple, that was the Godi the, where Shankaracharya used to sit in the summer. In the winter, he would go down to Joshimat. In the, sum, in the summer, when the snow melted uh, at Badrinath, he would go to, behind the Badrinath Mandir, there was a Shankaracharya Godi, and he used to sit there. And even to this day, 
behind the Bhadrinath Mandir, there is a temple for Shankaracharya. And I sat there. In those days, that was in the 70s. Do you know, there was an old friend of mine, an old Babaji. His name was Gopal, And he used to get up every morning at 4 a.m. And he, was, he wore a great quilted robe. And all that would stick out from the sleeves, he, he looked like a puffy teddy bear, and he played the vena. And all that would stick out from the sleeves were the, the fingertips. And he would play the morning ragas on the vena, on the sitar. And they had a loudspeaker on top of the Badrinath Mandir, on top of the temple. And the sound would broadcast across the river valley. Alakananda River is right there. And it would hit the glacier on the other side of the river and bounce back and echo all the way up the canyon. And I used to sit every morning at 4 a.m. I would go sit in the hot spring, which was just on the bank of the river, and I would listen to Binago Paul play the ragas, which woke up the Badrinath deity. Well, it was really beautiful. It was really steering to the soul. I mean, just like listening to Srima sing classical ragas, listening to Bina Gopal at four o'clock in the morning, echoing up the canyon, sitting in the hot spring. And then after he would complete his, his recital, I would go to the temple of Shankaracharya. And I would sit there and do either the puja or the chandipat, or just go deep into meditation. And one day, Shankaracharya said, Swami, he used to call me Swami those days, he said, Swami, you can't stay here forever. Nobody gets to stay on top of the mountain. <laughs> Either you don't find what you're looking for and you get hungry and tired and cold and you need more supplies and resources and you got to go down and get some more. Or you do find what you're looking for and you've got to go down and share it. <laughs> and Julia, that's sort of what happened to me. After some time, Shankaracharya came in my meditation and in my heart and he said, it's time for you to share. <laughs> Next. We have a question from Swarupananda. Uh, Namaste, Swarup. Namaste. The Sadhana Panchaka mentions bondages of the soul. Is it possible for the soul to really be bound in any way? Yes. Yes, there it is. Even if you look at the sun and it's hidden by the cloud, all you see is the cloud. The sun is really free, but all I see is the cloud. In the same way I've got these six ripus, kam, krod, lo, mo, moda, matsarja, these six limitations which bind my soul in the, in the, uh, the, 
the Ratri Shukta, they call them thieves. <laughs> Anger, uh, uh, greed, uh, passion, misdirected passion, uncontrollable desire, jealousy, and uh, ignorance, or the ignorance of egotistical attachment. These six thieves bind my soul. Now, in reality, the soul is never bound, but to me, <laughs> I got stuff to deal with. If I am, if I am under the spell of anger, I could even wall, pop, pop the nurse one right in the kisser. <laughs> I could even, I just forget about what's right, what's wrong. I'll hole up and pop her one. If even though I have wisdom, the cloud comes and covers my wisdom. And in this way, I'm bound. So the objective is to free ourselves from all bonds of the soul, especially the six limitations which keep us servants of the ego. We have a question from Koshiki in Kitchener, Canada. Oh, namaste, Koshiki ma! Once we have the bhav, how do we share it with others? How can we start working with others to bring them along with you? All you need is love. <laughs> Koshiki, you can't hide your light. It's going to escape. It's going to run away from you. It's not going to say, you try to put it under a basket. It won't work. You've got the light. You've got the love. It's going to be shared whether you want to or not. So don't worry about uh, how do you share it. Just think, oh, what are the most practical ways for me to make it manifest? How do I make that love manifest? Who can I serve first? How can I be of greatest service as an instrument in the hands of the Divine Mother? We have a question from Nanda. Namaste, Nanda Ma! Is there any spiritual significance for the new moon or full moon? We seem to celebrate events on those days. Yes, there is a spiritual significance. Uh, the new moon says there is no other light but my own. <laughs> and the full moon says you've got such illumination, so much devotion, you can't hide it. You can see equally well in the day or in the night. <laughs> And that's why on both of these days, many of our festivals come, uh, come about. Or on the days immediately preceding them, which culminate in the fullness of the moon, which culminate in the total darkness of the new moon. Om Sam Saraswati Namaha Namaste.